Living with Diabetes, a podcast from Diabetes Victoria with Jack Fitzpatrick. Hello and welcome to Living Well with Diabetes, the official podcast of Diabetes Victoria. This is a great forum for those of us impacted by diabetes, whether it be directly or indirectly, to discuss ideas, share stories, and build our diabetes community. I'm Jack Fitzpatrick, ex-Melbourne and Hawthorne AFL player and current Diabetes Victoria ambassador. Before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the Kulin Nations, where we are speaking from today, as well as all the lands across Australia, and pay my respects to all elders past and present, and to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people listening in. I'm joined by a very special guest on this edition of Living Well with Diabetes to celebrate Women's Health Week. It's a WNBL superstar who's also undertaking a uni degree, uh, was diagnosed with diabetes before she turned 10, and is a world champion. Lara McSpadden joins us. Lara, thank you very much. So thank you for having me, Jack. I'm excited. Don't be, don't be humble. Talk, talk <laughs> about how good you are, please. <laughs> oh, I mean, <laughs> okay, so what I've done, um, <laughs> basically, like, to recap, I started playing basketball when I was 10, and that I kind of, like, went through and did, like, junior reps and stuff like that until 2016 when I moved to the Australian Institute of Sport, did that for a year, and then I've been playing with the Sydney Uni Flames in the WNBL for the past four years. So, yes, it's been wild. Four years in the WNBL. Now, you're only, you've only just turned 21. Um, how old were you when you were diagnosed? So, I was, uh, what was I? It was August 2007. So, I would have been just turned eight, yeah. Eight. Jeez, in 2007, I was year 10. You're making me seem really old now. So, tell us, tell us about your diagnosis story. Everyone, every time you speak to someone who's got diabetes, they seem to have a pretty interesting story of how they were diagnosed. So what's yours? I actually remember this like really well. Um, we were watching the mighty Penrith Panthers because we're from Penrith. So um, that's who we support in the NRL. But anyway, that's beside the point. So we were watching them on the TV um, I actually remember that I went to the toilet like six times during the whole game um, and mum was just like, yeah, this isn't right. We'll go and get it checked out like in the morning and then, you know, as sure as it was, <laughs> I had diabetes. <laughs> so for, from before that point, did you have any idea that it might be diabetes or did you even think you were unhealthy or was it just that you couldn't stop going to the bathroom while you were watching the rugby? Oh, well, I mean, I was like... And um, this sounds like real cliche, but I was like any other kid, like really sporty, like was so active, didn't feel sick or anything like that. And I didn't really have any idea of what um, diabetes was before then. So, yeah. So then you're eight years old and all, all of a sudden you have to effectively change your whole life completely and start living with um, living with diabetes. Yeah, for sure. Um I think it would have been, oh, I would have, I don't know, I might have had more of an issue with it if I was, like, older and, like, 14 or 15 and, you know, it might have been seen as, or I might have saw it as uncool, but at the time I was kind of just like, oh, you know, I have to do this. Like, my, you know, my parents were like, you have to do this now. And I listened to my parents. I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. <laughs> like, um yeah, so 
I mean, obviously it was a change in routine and stuff and I couldn't like, because I was so active, I wanted to eat all the time. So I couldn't eat all the time, um, especially like around sport. Um, it was difficult, like getting used to it in the first few months, like trying to figure out um, like what to do, how much insulin to give, um, that sort of thing. But yeah, I mean, it's like second nature to me now. So it would honestly be weird if I didn't have diabetes. <laughs> Yeah, that's how um, I see it. <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. You said you started playing basketball though at the age of ten. So, um, I mean, firstly, you are quite tall. I believe how tall? Six foot four. Is that is that right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, we firstly, were, were you always tall? And secondly, you obviously started playing after being diagnosed. So, what was what was that like when when you first start playing and you're having to deal with you know potential hypos and high sugar levels, low sugar levels, when you should be eating before training, and, and all those kinds of things. I guess the first thing was I had to figure out how I was going to make sure that I'd get through the game okay. And that was kind of a struggle because, I mean, like you would know, like you never play at the same time each week. Like, so you can't really get, like you can have something to go off, but you can't really get a distinct pattern for each week that's going to work for the rest of your life. So that was... um kind of challenging especially if it was like at a weird time like if the game was at 11 it's like not quite lunchtime but I'm probably going to need something like because breakfast was at eight o'clock so that was kind of um well, it still is sometimes like a juggling act um but yeah I've um I've found recently especially in the last year that my optimal like my optimal range when I go into a game is between nine and 11 because that'll like CB through to the end of the game and I won't really have to eat or give any insulin because I won't go too high. That's kind of where I sit nicely. So as long as I get to that about half an hour um, before a game or before training, I'm usually right for the next um, two hours. So um, that took a bit of time to figure out. But now that I know that, I know that that's what I have to get to for a game. Yeah. So, so, and one thing with basketball, you you talk about the time, and particularly when you're going to different rep squads and, and all those kinds of things. Growing up, now, I don't know what it's like in New South Wales where you grew up, but I know in Victoria you can go from anywhere from playing at ten o'clock on a Friday night after a mm. long day of school or a long week of school, or to playing at eight o'clock in the morning on a, on a Sunday morning when obviously things are very different. So. It would obviously throw anyone out of whack in terms of having to be prepared, but how did you deal with that whilst also just trying to be, uh, I suppose, you know, for want of a better word, a normal kid who um, is just, yeah, doing everything that every other kid is doing? Oh, um, I guess, well, now that I'm like an adult, I have obviously more responsibility over my own health, but when um, I was younger and like doing that, um, you know, like going to people's places, having sleepovers and stuff like that. Um, I'd always have like mum or dad like check in on me and the like my friend's parents were very like, you know, aware that <laughs> they didn't want to be the one that was like in control if something happened to me. But um, no, um, I get, it was hard though, like because of course you want to like, pig out on pizza or have a big breakfast but um 
yeah, it was really helpful that people were always like, you know, looking out for me and even questioning me. It's like, Lara, do you like, are you sure? Like, do you really need that? And then I'll be like, all right, I probably don't because if I do this now, then this is going to happen later. And it's just, yeah, throws everything out of whack. But yeah, I'd say good like support from your mates and other people, like really helped. Did, did you ever have any sort of scares whilst you were playing or um, well, not so much playing, but whilst you were with your friends or whilst you were at school or, or at training or anything like that? Well, I have, <laughs> okay, so while I was at the, this involves like my roommates and my teammates, but while I was at um, the Institute of Sport, so over the span of three days, I had two like huge hypos. Um, so what happened was, okay, so I woke up one morning and I couldn't walk. Like I just couldn't walk and I couldn't talk either. So I'm like on the phone to my mum and she's got my sister there and my mum's like hysterical because she's like, oh my God, I can't like help you. So I literally, <laughs> I roll, like I fall on the floor, like I roll out of bed and I had, um, luckily I had like a mini fridge in my room because I was like, I'm going to need yep. this if something happens. I told like the AAS um, resi like coordinators, I was like, I'm going to need this fridge in my room. And luckily I had like this massive bottle of juice in there. So I'm there like pretty much paralyzed on the floor, just like drinking this juice. Um, and when I could finally like get my words together, I just like called um, like my best mate, Ezzy, um, who was lived across the other side of like the room. Um, and I was like, Ezzy, I can't walk. And she's like, I can hear her step. She's like running over. She like gets me dressed and everything. And like we see the doctor straight away. But um, yes. So that was that was. So uh, so how old would you, how old would you have been at at this time? I was seventeen. Seventeen. Now, so you obviously yeah. you're doing very well at basketball, and and you're obviously killing it, and you're getting towards the later years of high school and you've had diabetes for about 10 years by this stage and then all of a sudden you go from you know you're starting to become more responsible and look after yourself and your own health but you've obviously got your parents when you're living at home and then all of a sudden you move away from home and, and live at the AIS how big a move was that for you and how were your parents with that when when it was looking like you'd have to move away from home at the age of 17 I think they first and foremost they were really like pumped for me for the whole basketball opportunity um but at the same time we all knew that it was going to be like a real test of how well I could control it like sleep by myself like I obviously had like the doctors there and um my doctor like my diabetes educator and stuff at the um hospital in Canberra but it like at the end of the day it would like pretty much be up to me and I think um I think they were nervous because they've seen like what can happen like if mm -hmm. stuff goes wrong so um yeah but I mean they were willing to give me the opportunity and I'm appreciative of that because I now know what can happen if you don't take care of yourself pretty much so yeah it's certainly one way to make sure that you mature and, and grow up pretty quickly so and around this age, you are 
you, I believe you won a world championship at the under-17s. Yeah. Is that right, playing for Australia? Yeah, definitely did. You definitely did. I'm glad you <laughs> at least admitted to that rather than being <laughs> shot. So now this is a, another example where you're traveling all around the world to, to play mm-hmm. professional sport. And I think it's a really important message that whether it be yourself or myself or any other athlete, um, people can sometimes – um, I think, look at you and, and what you're doing, whether it be as a 17 or 16, 17-year-old winning world championships or, or training at the AIS or playing for Sydney Uni or, or now Townsville in the WNBL. And we can be watching that and we go, oh, wow, she, yes, yeah, she's got diabetes, but she obviously doesn't have any problems. But listening to you now, you have the exact same issues with waking up with you know, low blood sugar sugar or anything like that, um, dealing with highs and lows and all of this kind of stuff that anyone listening would have. And you have to deal with the exact same type of issues like this. And it's certainly not as easy as it might look when we get to see the good stuff in terms of you playing your sport. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sure, if I was not as active as I was and didn't have to travel and didn't have to, I don't know, train twice a day, I mean, I'd probably, I'm certain I'd have a lot better like control over um, my diabetes. Not saying that I don't have like control, but um, it would be easier for sure. And yeah, people like, of course you only want to talk about the good stuff, but it's hard. Like it's so hard when it like your schedule's changing. Like in the W, well, um, when I was with Sydney, um, we did like they put out monthly calendars and then it would be revised weekly, but we would never, like, be 100% sure until the week of what we were doing. So that was – and then there's, like, even changes with that. So that's hard to kind of, like, work around and, yeah, just plan. But what, when you – well, with travelling overseas, like, when I was in – where were we? We were in Spain when we won the, um, the World Championship, but I found it, like <laughs> – you could imagine, we're staying in this hotel that's got, like, a massive buffet, like, for breakfast. And I'm like, oh, God, this is going to be, like, the biggest test of my um, self-control for the next three weeks. But um, yeah. so we've got this big buffet and, like, how I have no idea what – well, I have some sort of idea, but I have no idea, like, what's in this food, like, how I count my carbs, like, that sort of thing. Um, yeah. But it's definitely a lot harder than, you know, what you see in, like, the major portrayal of the media where it's just, like, success stories and stuff. But, yeah. Yeah. And I think your point that everyone talks about the good stuff is um, is really pertinent because the idea of, of this and, and what I love about a diabetes community is sharing that there are hard times that everyone goes through as well and, and you're not alone when you're doing it. You might be the only person in your family or your team or your workplace or your class or your town even that has diabetes, but just because you're by yourself maybe um, quite in terms of, you know, you're the only person, the actual person there, it doesn't mean you're going through this alone and there are many other people going through it with you. I just want to ask you, um, sidestepping away from diabetes a little bit and just talking about, as I said, you know, National Women's Health Week, being a woman playing sport, what would you say to other young girls who – um, you know, they might have been about the same age as you when they're 10, 12 or whatever in terms of getting involved in sport, participating in sport. And, yeah, what other health considerations would you say for women who are looking to to play sport or keep active? Um, I mean, 
like, of this sport has been my life, like, since I was, what, I started, like, I started swimming when I was, like, six, and ever since then, oh, probably even earlier, like, four years old, started swimming then, and ever since then, it's really been, like, my whole life, and I think there's, like, aside from school and getting a job and, like, going to uni and, like, the some girls might have issues in like friendship circles or have struggles in like with their family and stuff I just think sport is a great like way to connect to something that you can invest in for yourself and I've definitely found that with basketball like I can go and be with a group of girls who also want to be there because they love the team environment and um, they love working hard and I feel like that's the most rewarding part of it like working in a group to achieve something that's that you all want to like get towards now talking about i hate using the word normal so i, I use inverted commas yeah. but um but wanting to grow up as a particularly as a teenager i think the number one thing that pretty much any teenager wants to do is fit in and i always say that by definition having diabetes means that you've got something that makes you different now most of the stories I hear from people and, and speak to people is that everyone is really good and accepting and understanding. And if they don't understand it, they ask questions and, and want to learn more. When you're going through elite basketball squads, so anything from elite basketball to AIS to whatever it might be, maybe it's just friends at school and school teachers. Would you tell people that you had diabetes and, and they would understand it or did you try and hide it from them because you might have either been embarrassed or concerned that you'd be judged or maybe that you wouldn't get picked in a team because they were concerned that you had diabetes i have never hidden the fact that i have diabetes and especially in school or in like in any environment where i'm away from my parents like my parents know me the best um so like at school Every teacher, every teacher that I had would know that I had diabetes. Coaches, teammates, um, who, yeah, I wasn't embarrassed at all because, I mean, like, if I was embarrassed, I'd have to be embarrassed for the rest of my life. Like, what's the point in that? Yeah. Um, no, no. Yeah. Would you find, how would you go about telling people? Would you go, like, you know, for example, is it the first day of school, you'd go to the teacher and, and talk to them and just let them know or would you write them a note or, or how would you go about letting people know? And, and I'll probably extend that to also asking about how you would tell your teammates when or how your teammates would find out when you started a new team or something. I would just be, like, on the first day, look, I might get a little bit nervous. Like, I had to tell one of my uni teachers that I had diabetes. So I only told her, like, in the second week. But um, I was just like, look, I have diabetes. Um, it might mean that in this subject, because it was a practical subject and we were outside and, like, being active, and I was like, it might mean that I just have to sit out for five minutes. Um, but, of course, like, you know, I would, You'd be surprised if, like, I told anyone and they were like, oh, that's rubbish. Like, I don't believe you. Like, everyone's usually, like, really understanding and, um, yeah. But I just, like, come out with it straight away because they have to know. Like, if something happens to me, they have to know that this is what it's because of. And then, like, you know, I'm self, I'm, I can take care of myself. But if in the moments that I can't, they need to know. And then that's when they need to help me. So they need to know. Yeah. So it's as much about... I suppose, you know, making yourself as safe and secure as possible in an environment that you're going to be in as it is anything else. I, I know one of my 
memories um, just after I got traded to Hawthorne. Now, Hawthorne had just won three premierships in a row and they, from the outside looking in, they looked like this big professional organisation. And a guy called Luke Bruce, who had you know, been All-Australian, he'd played in these grand finals. He was known as a superstar of Australian rules football and he was about my age. And I never really thought much of my diabetes because it was just who I was. But I remember going to do a school clinic with him and we were talking about it. And I remember that he said at this clinic that the first game that him and I played together, it got to quarter time. And instead of listening to the coaches and doing whatever I had to do, I got down on my hands and knees and pricked my finger and tested my blood sugar. Mm -hmm. And for him who... um, as I said, he'd played, you know, 150 games of football at this point. He'd kicked, you know, millions of goals. He was a superstar. You just think they've seen all this kind of thing. But he said, no, I've, I've never seen anything like that. I didn't actually know what he was doing and it was very new and confronting to me and mm. something that he had to learn about himself. What sort of experiences have you had with teammates? Is it, have they asked questions? Have they been surprised? Do they try and almost ignore it and just treat you again I hate the word, but normally, how do teammates normally approach it? Because I've had a lot of a lot ask some silly questions, which are only silly because they just want to learn more and, and they don't know anything about it, not because they're yeah. trying to be silly or nasty. Mm. Um, funny story. Um, in my third year with the Sydney Flames, um, it was like, well, we were in a warm-up and I, look, banana bread is like my go-to snack that kind of like rides me through the game. So I'm just like munching down on this banana bread and then <laughs> she's going to hate me. But um, my mate, Vanessa Panousis, she was uh, she was looking at me and she's like, oh, yeah, you a bit hungry, mate. And I'm like, dude, I have diabetes. And she like felt so bad. But um, she didn't like, I just, she, like, she'd know. Like, because yeah. I just prick in front of everyone. Like I give my needles and stuff. But um, aside from that, I mean... I feel like sometimes people don't want to seem intrusive. Like I haven't, apart from my best friend and, you know, my family and people who I work with and people, other people who I'm really close with, like they don't ask many questions. I just think because they don't want to think that they're exacerbating the issue that I have. But no, like if people will like notice that I'm pricking or whatever, they usually just be like, oh, you have diabetes and, I'm like, yeah, you know, blah, 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 and yeah. But, it, yeah, it's kind of like generic questions. Like, you've probably had them, like, a million times. It's like, you know, what do you do? Like, what's this? Why are you injecting yourself? Yeah, and and yeah. even, you know, your best friend, who's the last thing they're trying to do is be nasty, but they can make a comment like, geez, are you a bit hungry there, mate? And it might actually <laughs> initially come across like they're being rude or they're being insensitive, but – my experience is that 99% of the time, it, it just purely comes from ignorance and, and a lack of understanding rather than it does actually people trying to be nasty. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's not – I don't – personally, I don't know that many people with type 1 diabetes. So if you have – like if I go down the street and probably like talk to someone and they'd be like, oh, yeah, my nan or, you know, my auntie, I'm like, oh, so it's not that uncommon. Like people don't – like – know nothing about it yeah yeah now i want to bridge away from sport a little bit because you are doing a uni degree at the same time as, as playing in the WNBL, and at the same time you've just turned 21 so you, you know you, you do all the again that the normal stuff whether it be go out with friends and or catch up with people like that um how do you find it impact firstly 
again, with things like uni or when you were going through year 12 a couple of years ago. Um, and also, again, not now in the AIS, but living at home. Has anything sort of happened when you've been at home on your own? Not really. Um, I mean, ever since I had that episode in 2016, I haven't really had any other dramas. But um, like working around uni is tough because I had a well, when was it? It was last year um, when I was at Sydney Uni. I'd have every, I think it was a Wednesday. No, it was a Thursday. I'd have weights in the morning at 6.30. Then I'd go straight to a shoot at 8. Then I'd have classes back to back to back until I had training at night. So that was tough, like working like my insulin and trying to eat because, you know, you're not meant to eat in classes. But I'm like, dude, I'm going to die if I don't eat. So, like... (laughs) <laughs> that was difficult um but yeah and then dividing time to study and assignments as well and it's not just like you know the physical fact of eating it's like the stress as well like you know the adrenaline that everything plays a part so mm. that's a bit to deal with but yeah and what about now this is a question that i'm sure a lot of young women can probably identify with here now you've got a boyfriend how, firstly, how long have you been together and how did you meet? And then on top of that, what okay. supportive has he um, been? But also, um, you know, a lot of young people, men and women, um, can be self-conscious about this kind of thing. So how nervous were you before telling him? Was it a big thing that you had to build up to or, or was it okay? So, okay, we've been dating for nearly nine months. Um, I met him through basketball so typical um but the first time I met him we like we had dinner and stuff and I obviously had to do like my needles um I just did it and I didn't even really like tell him I just like started doing it and he was like oh like so you have diabetes and I was like yeah like you know I've had it since I was eight and I mean he was fine with it it was kind of just like all right next topic (laughs) but um yeah okay (laughs) Yeah, no, he's really good. Like, he's one of those ones that like ask questions a lot as well because he's like, you know, I want to be with you, so I'm gonna need to like learn about this. So yeah, no, he's really good. And that's awesome to have that support. So, as I said, there would be a lot of women your age or or people your age who can certainly be subconscious about it or self conscious about it, I should say, and get nervous around that. But you, you know, on your on your first date with the boy, you weren't nervous about getting the needles out. I was a little bit, but I mean, they have to come out at some point, right? So, <laughs> like, yeah. And I mean, I have never been one to hide it. So, yeah, that's just what I do. Like even when I go to the shops, like if I'm with mum or you know, I'm with whoever. I've just got to do my needle. I just do it. And if people stare at me, like, I don't care. They don't have to live with it. I have to do it. So, yeah. And your your mum and your dad, um, how are they? Are they okay now when you either go and stay at your boyfriend's place or when you're living out of home, at whether it be at uni or I know you're about to have to move to Queensland for basketball again? Yeah, they're good. Like, they, they used to, like, of ask a lot of questions and stuff and always check in. Like I had one of those diaries, like the diabetes diaries that I used to fill in religiously, but that died when I left, um, when I left home in 2016. Um, no, they're pretty good. I mean, bless her mum still like texts me every morning. If I'm not at like home, she's like, are you awake? You know, (laughs) um, just like, yeah, 
just to check that everything's okay. But yeah, no, they're pretty good. Never outgrow, never outgrow the care from your mum and dad. Now, your uni degree, um, you're doing a Bachelor of Education, is that right? I'm yeah, I'm doing um high school PE and geography. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. I like that. So you're a prime example that, you know, you living with diabetes doesn't have to dictate to your career, whether that be, I suppose, professional um, in terms of uni and where you want to take that or sporting-wise in terms of playing professional basketball. So again, it is Women's Health Week. So what advice do you have for younger women living with diabetes in terms of not letting it impact them and, and where they want to take their career? And, and that can either be, as I said, in, in professional life or, or sporting life. I mean, we can't let anything hold us back, like whether it be diabetes or if you've got a prosthetic leg or whatever, like if you want, I mean, the technology these days, like if I was to be a teacher, um, well, I, well, God, I hope I graduate, but I mean, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's say when I become a teacher, there's probably going to be like this technology that makes it, you know, helpful and seem like you don't really like have to take that much time out of your routine to tend to yourself like you just have to obviously prepare and do like the work beforehand but um yeah and like the support groups and stuff like people are good like they're not gonna in the staff room they're not gonna like hang crap on you because you have like diabetes or regardless of where you are or what you do it's just like you can live with it obviously like it's just this thing. So, yeah, it's like your little sidekick, but you just got to take it with you and take care of it and then you can do anything. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, 100%. Um, now, teachers aren't meant to have favourites, but do you think when you become a teacher, if you get a, a child who's living with diabetes, do you think they're going to be become the little teacher's pet? I hmm, Look, maybe. I think that the fact that if like this kid or if a kid in my class has diabetes well I'll definitely be the like the one or one of the people in the school that will be on their like emergency plan or whatever but yeah because of that like connection like you feel like more invested I guess or probably more connected like to them so you know what to look out for and that sort of thing but um I have this like I work at a school uh my actual um old primary school, Caves Beach Primary School, um, I'm doing teacher's aid work and this little boy in year one has type 1 diabetes and I was like, oh, my God, like thinking he'd be like so like enthusiastic about it. I was like, oh, my God, I have type 1 diabetes too and I like full on showed him my CGM, which is like on my stomach and then um, he has a – I was like, you want a pump? And he's like, yeah, and just like turned around and walked away. I was like, oh, okay, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> not buy, not buying into that, but I think you're right. That connection thing is really important. I feel that whether it be looking at you know in, in my industry of when it was playing football, other footballers with diabetes, you might not have ever met them, but you do feel like you have a connection with them. And now um, it could be anyone, whether it be you know sitting down in a restaurant having a meal or just out and about, and you meet someone else with diabetes, you do instantly feel a connection with them, don't you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like you know what they've gone through without even them telling you yeah yeah and with that cgm stuff in terms of um playing basketball and, and again you know living your normal life whether it be putting a nice dress to get dressed up and go out or, or whatever does that impact how does that impact you with that kind of thing i mean with sport it's been super helpful just like with it 
because usually what I did when I didn't have CGM was I'd have to like test. I'd test half an hour before, 15 minutes before. Um, then I'd test quarter time, half time, three quarter time, end of the game. But now I don't have to do that. I just have to literally pick up my phone um, and it's done. But um, yeah, in terms of like it has kind of made, it hasn't made me insecure, but um, yeah. Because like, I go to the beach a lot. Like I'm a beach girl and like in summer, like hardly see me in clothes. I'm just like in swimmers. And now I have this like thing on me that's like looks like I'm a little bit of a robot and it's kind of a downer because I mean this I could have this for the rest of my life. And I mean I'll I'm used to it now, but it's just like, oh, I'm kind of never oh I may never not just like be me, like without this thing on. But yeah, I mean obviously it's gonna help me like control my diabetes. So that is much more of a positive than a negative. So yeah. Much more important than uh, just ruining the pic or the bikini pics that might be going on Instagram, Lara. Now, if you were going to be writing a letter to your younger self, whether it be eight-year-old self when you were diagnosed or 15-year-old you when you're going through all your rep squad and you're doing with school and you're about to go to the AIS and compete in world championships and stuff, what would you say? I would say that take care of your levels like now because of course there's immediate impacts and especially with basketball like often the 24 hours before um you play are kind of indicative of what your levels 24 hours are going to be after so I would definitely go back and say you need to do the right thing now so that tomorrow you're in your best shape to play but um just in general I know you might want to have that extra like you know cookie or have more like whatever apricots apples like bread um but you know each high level you have is just like it adds up in the end and that impacts you long run so i would just say take care of your levels now so that you don't um, have to pay the consequences and you can you know still be living a really healthy lifestyle when you're old i like that and in terms of (laughs) no a whole lot and in terms of the other stuff we sort of just spoke about, whether it be um, your CGM and, and dealing with that or, or dealing with uni or potentially waking up with the AIS with hypos and things like that, <laughs> would you also stress the importance that things are going to happen and you can never have it perfectly? So when you do wake up with a hypo, for example, that does happen. And again, that's something that all people with diabetes will have to live through and, and it doesn't mean you're doing a bad job or you should be embarrassed. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like it's a marathon, not a sprint. Like, that's what my endocrinologist would tell me. And sometimes I'm like, but no, I have to, you know, I have to, why isn't this working? Like, why is it doing this? But she's always like, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. We've got to, like, you know, work towards getting better. And, like, it may not ever be perfect. Like, in however many years I'm going to have diabetes for, I may not ever get it 100% right. But there's always going to be things that, you might not expect. No, I like I like it a lot. The stuff that you're doing and have done is is pretty remarkable, and I don't think you should skip over that. In fact, you know, diagnosed at eight years old, and you finish school, you're doing a uni degree, you're going to go on to become a teacher. You've won world championships. You're now playing at the age of 21 in the WNBL. Um, you're kicking serious goals, and, and you're doing a great job. So it's been great to talk to you and hear from you, and and hear the 
the insight to it because, you know, I think for me the most, look, there are many great lessons from it, but it is the stuff that, you know, just because you are doing all this awesome stuff, it's not coming easily to you. You do have to worry about, you know, potentially self-conscious stuff about going to the beach with your CGM or it might be being at the AIS and waking up with a hypo and almost being paralyzed. It doesn't just come easily and it does require a lot of hard work and discipline and, You've really earned absolutely everything you've done so far and I can't wait to see what the future holds for you, Lara. Thank you so much. Um, Yeah, no, I can't wait to see either. So it should be good. If, like, anyone needs to, like, talk to someone, I don't care, like, regardless of how old you are or whatever, I'm always, like, here. I know I have a few people, like, chat to me on Instagram and there's a few, like, good pages, like, community diabetes pages that... um, are on there now but yeah just if anyone needs like someone to talk to because I don't like sometimes I message people and I don't know that many people with diabetes but it'd be good to like expand like diabetes circles so just yeah for anyone who's listening just shout out to me (laughs) and I'm there for you That's, I'm, I'm sure you'll get a lot of people messaging in now after this. Just quickly on that, um, sorry, I know we have wrapped it up and we've, we've probably gone over time already, but the importance of pages and things like that and connecting to other people with diabetes. You said yourself you don't know many people who have got it. So how important is that to that sense of community connection um, and that kind of thing? Well, I mean, like if I have an issue and I want to talk to someone with diabetes about it, I mean... Who do I ask? Like, I mean, I have, I know people that I went to like a diabetes camp on when I was like freshly diagnosed, but I don't talk to those people anymore and I don't really feel comfortable reaching out to them. But it, especially like sharing experiences and even like sharing thoughts and um, experiences on like the new technology and new insulin and new like things people are trying, that's really helpful because it gives you ideas and like it encourages you to try different things if you need to. So, yeah, that's a really important one. 100%. And just for those, what is your uh, social media if people do want to reach out to you? <laughs> um, my social media is lara.mcspadden on Instagram. Um, that's my Instagram, yeah. Pretty simple, lara.mcspadden, just your name with a dot between the first and last name, Lara. Didn't, yep. didn't, how long did it take you to come up with that one? Oh, mate. A couple of days, maybe, but it's all right. I got there in the end. <laughs> no, very good. Uh, I, I think that's great. And and please, people, if you do have any questions, thoughts, feedback for Lara, whatever it might be, again, particularly, um, you know, this is Women's Health Week, young women who want to reach out and talk about their diabetes or talk about sport or talk about, you know, being a young girl and starting to socialise and go out and, and catch up with friends and dealing with maybe wanting to tell a boyfriend or or a prospective partner, a girlfriend that they do have diabetes, I'm sure Lara will be willing to help out. Once again, Lara, your story is amazing and I can't wait to see what the next 10 or so or 10 plus years holds for you and um, I can't wait to stay in touch. Thank you again for joining the Diabetes Victoria podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening. Hope you enjoyed the program. If you'd like to contact us, it's very easy. Simply send an email to podcasts at diabetesvic.org.au. Or, of course, all the information you'll need is on the website, diabetesvic.org.au.